0: apples can one man break you're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable humans need fantasy to be human <gasps> my goodness that was good you guys are pros the bats relentless refusing to give up all right hit that horn babe let's dance
1: Welcome to the Action Network Fantasy Flex Podcast here on the Fantasy Flex feed. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined by my guy, Sean Kerner. And, and on this pod, we are going to talk some waiver ads. We're going to talk our uh instant reactions to week one. And we'll give you some Monday night football player props as well. So, Sean, what's going on, man? How was your week one?
2: I was it was pretty eventful. Um Got a lot of things right, got a few things wrong, and just there's so many surprises that happen. You know, the 49ers running back situation. Um, just pure chaos, but I love it. I'm happy football's back. Uh, how about you? How was your week one?
1: Uh it was it was pretty profitable. Um, you know, obviously there was a couple there were a couple of things like I wish I could take back, like Marcus Cowaway. Um, you 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 were on top of that with Jai sure. Alexander. <laughs> I mean, I just didn't throw a lot in that game either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that so that one wasn't great. I was. I, I even after talking down Kyle Pitts all like all season, like I ended up uh, using him on DraftKings, so that that didn't go great either. But overall, um, betting profitable week one, um, DFS still profitable, and uh, and yeah. So we're, I'm excited now that we have some data. We'll, we'll talk a lot about usage and snaps and routes and and who everyone should pick up. Um, but. I want to start and we'll go, let's go position by position here uh, on the fantasy flex podcast presented by prize picks. I want to start by just asking you about some quarterbacks who I think people want to know the reactions because they would, they are, they have to kind of start them. So, Aaron Rodgers was I just a year too early on this Aaron Rodgers is done thing or is this just a product of New Orleans having that really great coaching staff all year to prepare because or was it because of this, you know, the chaos that happened with Rodgers and maybe his, he's not as into it. Maybe there was like is it there was there some kind of letdown after coming so close and maybe now it, it's just a combination like what the hell happened with Aaron Rodgers in that 38 to three loss.
2: Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out as well. Um, it is probably his worst start of his career, right? It had to be.
1: I mean, right up there with the Tampa Bay and, and San Francisco fiascos so,
2: over the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, yeah, those were fun too. But you knew right away. It was not meant to be. And, yeah, I just think with Rodgers, I think a lot of the offseason stuff, um, it makes you wonder if that's what, what's leading to this. You know, he wants out of there at the end of the year. So I would assume it is playing a role, but – um, you know, I had the under on this game because they moved it to Florida and, you know, Green Bay is a cold-weather team. I thought that could have an impact, and maybe that did have a bigger impact than people think. Um, but they just did not look right. I do think, you know, they'll get it. They'll right the ship this week against the Lions. If they struggle this week against Lions, that's the time to really start to consider, um, you know, the, the offseason probably did really set the Packers back a ton. Um, but I'm not panicked quite yet. Uh, I think we can just kind of like forget that game ever happened when it comes to guys like Aaron Jones, uh, Devante Adams. Um, I think if you can buy low on them now, you know, maybe there's an owner out there that, um, you know, wants to get rid of them. So um, I'm not panicking quite yet, but it does make you think that the offseason stuff could be making an impact.
1: So I agree with everything you said right there, except the word if, because the Packers are absolutely getting right against the Lions. I have the numbers in front of me from that Lions game against the 49ers. And this was with, you know, Brandon Ayuk not at full strength. This was with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from an injury. The 49ers completed 18 of 26 passes and averaged 11.5 yards per attempt. Okay. The, the, the Packers have a better quarterback and a better number one receiver. Debo Samuel put up a Devontae Adams line. Like a, Debo Samuel looked like Tyreek Hill. The Lions made Debo Samuel look like Tyreek Hill in week one. This is the get right spot for the pack. Don't worry about Rodgers. Uh, next quarterback is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill looked, and that whole offense looked pretty bad. They couldn't run with Henry. Uh, was that just kind of a product? You think of the Cardinals playing Henry well, because we know Tannehill relies on the play action. Was it? I, I'm, I don't. I hesitate to say it's Arthur Smith because Arthur Smith's got the doors blown off of his new squad uh, as a favorite. Uh, by on at home by Philadelphia and a quarterback that no one thought could throw. So, I mean, what's going on with Tannehill? Uh, personally, I think it had a lot to do with Taylor uh coming back from injury.
2: Yeah, that, and you know, Chandler Jones had a good game. Um, it, this game was a mess. And you know, the past couple years I've bet against Ryan Tannehill and failed miserably. And then I start backing him up going into the season and then he fails miserably. So I can't get Ryan Tannehill right for the life of me. Um, but I think, you know, he will bounce back this week. And if you can buy low on him, I would do that as well. Um, but it, it, that game was definitely concerning to see. Um, I saw Vrabel called out Julio Jones today. So things could start to get messy there. But, you know, I'm, I'm fading the week one noise. And I think this is a situation we still want, you know, Derrick Henry. We still want A.J. Brown. We still want Julio Jones when he's healthy. Um, so I try to buy low on these guys if you can.
1: Yeah. It's not going to be as easy matchup as you think against the, the Seahawks this week. Uh, you know, and they do play, they played good run defense and they they played decently on the uh, on the back end as well. So, um, but one of the higher total games of the week, start Ryan, you're still starting Ryan Tannehill this week. We'll have another week with Julio um, and then Josh Allen. I don't think we need to spend much time on him. That's oh. a tough matchup against uh, Pittsburgh, right? Like that's, that's about uh, all the, reasons. yeah. Yeah. And he,
2: I mean, he was airing it out. He just missed on some balls. Um, the Josh Allen, He could be more inconsistent than we saw last year, but I I think he's just ready to break out. Um, I've been kind of fiddling with week one, uh, week two projections, and he's my number one quarterback right now. Um, And actually Kyler Murray is now, but Josh Allen's there right there. Close second. So he's, I'm still banking on him being a top three quarterback the rest of the way.
1: All right. So let's talk about guys. You actually should add on waiver. And I think, The first guy that comes to mind is Jameis Winston, uh, five touchdown passes against Green Bay. Um, What do you think of of Jameis and how does he compare to, uh, I think my favorite ad is probably Tyrod. You also have Taylor Heineke who's going to start against the Giants. Um, So where are you on Jameis compared to some of the other options?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, he was going off in the game that I'm saying we should just throw it away Um, because Jameis Winston is going to have that very high ceiling, which we saw. But, you know, any given week, he come crashing down and Taysom Hill can still replace him. Um, I do feel a lot better about Jameis after week one, though, of course. Um, but I'd be careful with him. Um, and I, I'm projecting him. Uh, he's my QB 17 heading into week two. We'll, we'll have to see how that works out. You know, he didn't get to throw that many pass attempts in the end with five touchdowns. So I think he we could expect more yards. We can definitely expect more yards from him going forward. But that touchdown rate is certainly going to regress. So he's a guy that I'd be careful just going all in and starting him over Ryan Tannehill this week. Um, But definitely make sure he's not available because if he figures it out under Sean Payton um, and he really has limited, you know, turnover where he throws, I don't think he's thrown one yet um, this season, including the preseason. So if he figures it out this year, you know, he could absolutely be a QB1. Um, So he's definitely worth an ad.
1: So there's a lot of streaming options this
2: week. I think Tyrod. I think both quarterbacks in that Cleveland
1: Houston game. Uh, Tyrod going against Cleveland, and and then Baker Mayfield going against Houston. Uh, both of those guys could be interesting. Um, and then you know, is there any? There's no real interest in Heineke. Uh, I don't think. Like are are I mean, it should be a low scoring game against the Giants. And the Giants actually had their the, Washington's number last year.
2: Yeah, I think Heineke would be an ad for the rest of the season. It seems like. Ryan Fitzmagic is going to be out for a long, long time. So I think you would add Heineke in a two QB super flex league where you want him for multiple weeks um, if you're hurting at quarterback. But yeah, he's not a play this week necessarily. Giants. It's a pretty tough matchup should be a low scoring Thursday football game. Um, I like Teddy Bridgewater this week. Oh yeah. Against the Jaguars right now he's QB 13 probably going to lower that, but he's more of a high floor option. Um, It certainly doesn't help that Jerry Judy is going to be out four to six weeks. I'm sure we'll talk about the receiving situation in a bit, but he does have a ton of weapons there. Um, So I think he's another good safe streaming option where he'd give you, you know, solid QB two numbers this week against the Jaguars.
1: Yeah. Teddy stands out. Uh, That's the guy I meant to to mention because I thought he looked good. I thought he, Mm -hmm. I thought he looked good against the giants, a a defense that's pretty well-schemed pretty tough to play uh, he made some great second reaction plays and things like that. And he was hitting guys. It wasn't just Judy, you know, he was hitting, he was hitting the the, the tight ends. He was getting the ball down. I mean, he, KJ Hamler dropped something like a 50, 60 yard touchdown uh, yeah. on, on a great throw from Bridgewater. So he was making the right reads. He was moving around. Well, I thought he was making some section, second reaction plays. He wasn't just a robot. So And Jacksonville, by the way, I mean, quick, any quick reactions on this Jacksonville dumpster fire, which (laughs) was obviously like, no one wanted to like admit it. Like everyone was kind of like, Oh, Houston's going to be that one team, but here, lo and behold, Jacksonville's going to be the reason why everyone has a low strength of schedule (laughs)
2: more than Houston. Maybe. Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad, but but we did kind of call it. We were saying, you know, take the Texans here, but that was really bad. Um, You know, Trevor Lawrence made some bad decisions, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to figure it out, but it might take a couple games. So, yeah, this, this Jaguars team is a team that we want to attack in terms of fantasy, especially, you know, streaming defenses right now. Uh, but that was that was not pretty. They do look like they're going to be a pretty pass heavy team, though. So I'm still interested in guys like LaVisca Chenault, um, even DJ Chark and Marvin Jones look good. So um, I'm still interested in the wide receivers. But outside of that, um, yeah, th- this team looks really, really bad. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, an underrated guy, maybe a little deeper, um, because I don't expect it to be a a big pass heavy game script. But Mac Jones uh, looked pretty good. And the Jets defense, I think Mac Jones is already better than Sam Darnold. And so uh, there's a chance that just on pure efficiency, he could go off for like three touchdowns. I just don't think the Patriots have to throw 39 times again. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to Uh, kind of stay in front of them like the Dolphins did. But Mac Jones, get him on the radar because he might be really good. I I love some of the ball placement. Did you get to see any of Mac?
2: Yeah, I had the Dolphins plus three and a half, so I was watching that game pretty closely. And yeah, that defense is really good against rookie quarterbacks. They like to disguise coverages and blitzes. Um. So that was a really tough matchup for Mac Jones to start um, this week. I don't think he's gonna have to throw that much for them to win. So yeah, I agree. I think here. when we get to a game where we're going to expect a more pass heavy game script, Mac Jones looked really, really good. So um, yeah, he's a guy you certainly want to add in deeper leagues.
1: Yeah. Like I, he's a stash guy almost. Cause like the thing is that dolphins defense, you know, good secondary, but this is a week where like they might have to throw, but Mac Jones could go like, Jameis Winston, like he could go like yeah. 18 of 23 for like four touchdowns. And, and then everyone's going to add him regardless. So you right. might as well kind of get a week ahead of that. Just cause I, I mean, I saw some of the throws I saw out of him and just the poise. I think he's going to be good. So and
2: that's, that's a good point because it's going to have to come from touchdowns. He's probably not going to throw a ton of 300 yard yeah. passing games. He's not going to rush for much. So, you know, unfortunately it's going to come down to touchdown luck, but certainly, you know, two to three touchdown games for him. Should happen soon. But yeah, the thing with him, he does have limited upside uh, just because the the Patriots probably won't need to throw that much this year if the defense is as good as I think they'll be. And um, yeah, no rushing upside to speak of. He's he's definitely more of a high floor two QB super flex kind of quarterback in my eyes.
1: Or he's Tom Brady.
2: <laughs> like yeah, that, Tom Brady I mean, did it with no
1: rushing on New England, right? That's and no what receiver. We're hoping for, right Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was a good start, is all I'm saying. I mean, yes. even though they lost the game, I just thought it was a really good start for, yep. for Mac. And, and all the rookie quarterbacks. I mean, we don't really everyone's already added Fields and Lance, but you know, Lance throws a touchdown, Fields gets in the end. Zone. I mean, it was a good <laughs> it was a good start for these guys. Um, Zach Wilson yep. comes back late um and, and shows some good stuff. You know, Lawrence, I think maybe the most disappointing just because you had the turnovers you had, you lost to a team that we expected you to beat. Um, But yeah, I thought generally speaking, it was a pretty good showing for the rookies. Uh, But speaking of Lawrence, let's go to running back here and and James Robinson. I want to, I want to start with him actually, because I just, five carries to Carlos Hyde's nine. I know that Houston got up out in front of Jacksonville, but it seemed like the game plan from the jump was going to be, very pass heavy. Any thoughts on Robinson? Because, I mean, we love Robinson heading into the year. We thought he would just go back to doing what he was doing. I mean, they were throwing to him a little bit here and there, but it just didn't seem like he was given that kind of respect that he deserved from the coaching staff given what he did last year.
2: Yeah, this was not a good start for James Robinson. He was my RB6 this week, so that was a huge fail on my part. And I said, like, look, he's probably going to go off this week sell high because he's probably going to settle in as a low to uh, you know low mid-range RB2 I thought because I I pointed out many times that there were about 11 games last year where no other running back um, had a carry and I just thought you know Carlos Hyde's going to be a pretty competent backup he's going to have a bigger role than any other running back last year so I was kind of worried about Robinson in that regard but this was bad like if you can't have Um, A good game against the Texans. You're in big trouble. Uh, Carlos Hyde, like you said, he outrushed him. The only positive, the only positive was Robinson did run around 63% of the time. I think he will be that pass catching back, which is good news because his Jaguars team is going to be terrible. Um, So, you know, PPR uh, formats, he probably does have RB2 value, but yeah, this this looks really bad. I don't know. I don't even know if you can sell high at this point. I don't know who's gonna take him, but uh, he's he's more of a low end RB2 um going forward, I I fear.
1: Forty-six snaps to Carlos Hyde's twenty-five, thirty-six pass plays to Carlos Hyde's fourteen. Um so it was just a carry. So you really there's 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 potential for a turnaround here, but there's a lot uh, more uncertainty yeah. than than we thought about like coming into the year. So
2: you would think um, Carlos Hyde would factor in a little bit more if the Jaguars had a positive game script. So it's really scary that Carlos Hyde was disinvolved in what was pretty much a blowout. So it's definitely panic time.
1: Yeah, and and definitely add Hyde if like you're you know running backs. You, we know how uh, tough it is to find those guys. So I mean, for now you have a guy that was leading his backfield and carries in week one. I think he's worth an add, uh, and maybe not as much as. Elijah Mitchell, I think you do have to add Elijah Mitchell as that priority guy. And I don't know if you want to even buy low on Trey Sermon because he, Kyle Shanahan said the reason Sermon was a healthy scratch was Mitchell beat him out and Jamichael Hasty beat him out. So you have a rookie and a a fellow rookie who had West draft pedigree. That's a bad sign. And you had a guy that was already in the system for a year. That a lot of people had like fifth or sixth on the depth chart, and they and they also had another veteran in Wayne Gallman that they released, and Sermon still couldn't climb the chart. So like, I don't. I said at the beginning of the year like this 49 is <laughs> backfield, we're not going to know, but I'm 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 going Mitchell here.
2: Well, okay. yeah, I, especially after Week One, I, I don't blame you. Um, and we kind of called this heading into the season. I said, uh, you know, it's always the running back we least expect to be the guy that goes off in this backfield. And sure enough, week one, it's already happened. Trey Sermon was inactive. And you did make a good point that you don't even want to be involved in this headache week to week and trying to figure out who the hell it's going to be because I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Sermon plays this week, gets 20 touches, and is, you know, borderline RB1. Like, would not surprise me at all. Um, But, yeah, right now, Elijah Mitchell, you should probably use your number one waiver um, just because we typically don't see backup running backs as much on the waiver wire anymore. So I think now's the time to add a guy like this um, because he might be this year's Jeff Wilson from last year. So I think he's definitely worth the flyer, but again, you called it, it's going to be a week to week decision. It's going to be very volatile, but I think that the fact that Moser is out, it sounds like eight plus games um, does make me want to invest in this and try to figure it out. So I think if you can buy low on Trey Sermon, I'm talking about like RB three, RB four, Value. I don't think you can get that, but I would definitely be interested in buying low on Sermon just because he does have that massive upside. Uh, but this is gonna be very tricky week to week.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm off Sermon. Like I I just think I think coming into the year, we were just going on draft pedigree. I think the fact that we knew he was fourth on the depth chart, like that's that's a lot of guys to pass. Like, yeah, he most it always gets hurt, but <laughs> like for the rest of yeah. these guys. I mean, now you're just betting on injury. So I don't think it's like I would just go all in on on Mitchell and you know, Hasty would kind of be the guy I have in the holster. Like I, I think the fact that we know he was number three on the depth chart, the fact that we know they were willing to make him a scratch, that doesn't bode well for any time in like in terms of like a, a waiver ad. Like if if another couple guys go down, sure. But yeah, I, I don't I I I just think that was a really bad sign. Um, let's go to Houston. Mark Ingram. <laughs> knew it might be disgusting but he had 26 carries uh Ingram 36 snaps David Johnson 22 Philip Lindsay 20 Rex Burke had 10 so there are a lot of snaps going on like there's this was a high volume play game for Jacksonville uh so Ingram still played under uh half of the total snaps but uh so I don't think he's a priority the same way Mitchell is because I don't think that line is good I don't think
2: Ingram is as good um so I, I I think Ingram's more of a sell high uh what, what do you think Absolutely sell high. Um, the Texans aren't going to provide too many game scripts like this going forward. I think Ingram definitely took advantage of, you know, the Texans blowing out the Jaguars. Um, so he's absolutely a sell high, but it, you know, I think he is, their starting running back going forward and like probably the most valuable back to own right now there. But you know, if you could flip him for basically anybody that's startable, I would do it.
1: Yeah, I mean you had you had four backs working in. That just creates, you know, from like just a mathematical standpoint, the barrier <laughs> increases like a, yeah. another like twenty-five percent <laughs> over the other back, backfields.
2: Yeah, and th- <laughs> like this week at Cleveland, right? They're <laughs> twelve point what, Twelve point dot like do you really think Mark Ingram's getting twenty three carries? Absolutely not. So okay. six I,
1: carries, eight yards, no touchdowns.
2: It's pretty much. That's, I was going to say almost a similar line. So yeah, this is absolutely a sell high situation with Mark Ingram. Zach Moss droppable. Yes. Healthy scratch. Get him out of here. Next. So you're just healthy week <laughs> one scratch. Time. You're done with them. Done. I mean, in, in terms of like,
1: he, he, like we, we always say, right. Like you, you always do a good point of pointing this out. Like always stash your bench with high upside running backs. Like now that we've seen week one and we know where these guys are in the depth chart. There's just better, op- like Mark Ingram's still a better option than Zach Moss because he's playing nearly half the snaps in the backfield, right? Like Zach Moss is essentially, because he's not playing special teams, he's fourth on the depth chart. Like they were using Isaiah McKenzie in the backfield, and they seem fine yeah. more. So, yeah, I like Cordell Patterson, next he's, guy up. Uh, I would add him over because he's, he's they're, op- they're using him as their true RB2 there. So it's like he's worth more in the immediate future, which is what you're kind of doing with these waiver ads anyway. You should have your starters already. So you're just looking for guys that like, okay, five weeks come up, guys go down. I just need guys to plug and play. And Zach Moss might just be a zero, a goose egg for as long as we know. So.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. But if, if Singletary were to miss time, do you, don't do you think Zach Moss would be like an RB three flex at least? Or are you, yeah, are you would. now part of the Matt Breida fan club with me? Well, I mean, the fact that Breida was active over him doesn't spell is not because Breida's is yeah. also a better
1: pass catching back. So that like again, this is a it's like how we get into trouble with these assumptions in the first place. It's more excusable, I think, after week before week one because we're just using our educated guesses, right? But now it's like we know what these coaches are thinking. They've they've showed their hand. So like, Matt, let's say Singletary goes down, we might say, oh, plug Zach Moss in, and the coaches may be thinking, okay, Matt Breida two thirds of the snaps, Moss one third, right. right? So yeah, like to me, it's just I just don't think it's worth it. I think you go with the you go with what you know here because it's it's you're like like a high upside bench guy would be a guy like you know like a, a a Patterson it's like I like still the guys I like the talent with but that at least will be active like mm-hmm. I don't want a guy that could be a scratch like that just that's yeah chilling. yeah so uh Patterson what do you think of him he got got more yards than Mike Davis even though he got about how yeah. many carries but
2: talk about another semi this is you know Not as surprising as Trey Sermon or Zach Moss, but Wayne Gallman being inactive was a bit of a surprise. And yeah, Cordell Patterson is the number two back, but they were using him as a true gadget player. He's lined up everywhere. I think he lined up in the slot a bit. This Falcons offense looks completely different. They ran a bunch of two tight end sets. Uh, So, you know, Cordell Patterson could be the sort of Swiss Army knife. We've expected him to be his entire career he might actually have a breakout season. So if if Mike Davis were to go down, Patterson would be the guy, it seems, that would potentially become, you know, a RB3 kind of flex option. So, yeah, I'm all for swapping Patterson out. If you have Zach Moss uh, dropping him for Cord- Cordell Patterson, I can certainly get behind that.
1: Yeah. Uh, in the Jets' backfield. Uh,
2: Disaster.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look at the snaps right now just so I could. Okay, so we had te- – to- oh, so I, I, I called this in my – I'm doing like a little weekly uh, matchup column <laughs> for all the Sunday games now. Um, and uh, it would be on actionnetwork.com uh, coming out Saturday. So look out for that. But I, I called this Ty. I said, Ty Johnson, he's – if there's going to be a high end approach, like I was on Michael Carter earlier in the offseason, but obviously we got negative <laughs> news on him. I was like, yo, Ty Johnson probably would be the guy. Lo and behold, he plays 35 snaps, Kevin Coleman 17, Michael Carter 16. Um, so, I mean – I'm actually like I would I would rather have a guy like Ty Johnson on my roster than a Zach Moss who's going to be inactive at least or could be inactive just because I think Ty Johnson actually has shown things in the past. I think he's had some he's added some explosiveness, um, you know, so I'm fine with Ty Johnson. Tevin Coleman had nine carries. Johnson had eight, I believe it was. But I could see that switching because Johnson's kind of the main passback. Um, any thoughts on that? First of all,
2: I, this this is a nightmare. If there were any backfield to kind of avoid right now, it would be the Jets. The, the offensive line was brutal. And Makai Becton is going to be out multiple yeah. weeks now. So it's like, do we really want to invest in a three-way timeshare behind a horrible offensive line on a horrible team? Probably not. Uh, but all, we were saying that Michael Carter, probably going to start the year off really, really slow, really bad. So he, he could get dropped. Um, in your league. And I think by the end of the year, Michael Carter will probably be leading this backfield. So he's still a guy that I keep my eye on long-term, but right now I want nothing to do with this. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think Ty Johnson and Michael Carter are the two best backs in that backfield. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. again, this is, this is just for people that need are in a pinch in week one. um, going into week two. I mean, I don't think it will yeah. be a great game, but it um, like matchup against new England, but the jets will probably be behind, which means more snaps for Johnson who played 20 pass snaps to Carter's 10 and Coleman's five. Yeah. So I just think short-term, Ty Johnson, I think he's the, he's clearly the leader from the snap counts. leading pass down back. PPR week. If you need somebody, uh, he's the guy. Let's go to uh, – anything else with a running back? Are we, we good on that? We, do we miss anything? We're good. We'll
2: cover a lot more tomorrow, but I think we're good for now.
1: Yeah, so as we mentioned, we're you know doing a fantasy flex five days a week now. Sean and I, uh, three times a week, you know, we have the main big matchup-by-matchup matchup episode uh, coming out tomorrow, and then late in the week we'll have our props episode – uh, so let's go to wide receiver and, and tight end. These guys, this is a less important um, position. I think usually you're looking for quarterback streamers or running backs, but uh, w- I didn't get a chance to look at the route numbers yet. How did it break out between KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick in that Giants-Broncos game? Because we know Jerry Judy's going to be out for a month or more.
2: So Hamler finished with 50% routes run and okay. Patrick was 65%. But Patrick was getting playing time and targets before Judy went down. I mean, it looks like Bridgewater loves Tim Patrick. So we were kind of calling that before the year started. Like if if anybody goes down, Tim Patrick's probably a guy to add. But KJ Handler has just massive upside. So I I think, you know, both guys are definitely worth adding in your league. Um, But it it seemed like Tim Patrick was like going to be the guy that's going to see over 80% of the routes this week. So he's probably the biggest beneficiary. And then of course, you know, Carlin, Cortland Sutton um, could see more targets be, become a more consistent fancy starter. But um, yeah, those were the, the routes, 50% and 65%. Yeah. I,
1: I think it's still Patrick number one for me, as much as I love the second year breakout appeal of a guy like Hamler. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did drop like a 50, 60 yard touchdown, but that's the point. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a non-zero chance that when Jerry Judy's not out there, that Tim Patrick is the best Bronco receiver. Like he's a, mm-hmm. he's he's a very unsung player. Uh, last season, he had five for 119, six for one thirteen and a touch, and four for one hundred one. He had three hundred yard games last year. I'm, a lot of people don't remember he's, that. He's the Zach
2: Pascal for yeah. the Broncos,
1: and he might be better. Like I mean, Pascal obviously well, he gets speed open, <laughs> but like Tim Patrick, I think yeah. is actually a pretty good receiver that the Broncos just happen to have a somewhat of an embarrassment of riches at that position, but, you know, they also have a lot of injuries. So uh, Patrick was – and then in addition to those 300-yard games, he also had another multi-touchdown game uh, mixed in. And uh, so he was a pretty valuable receiver, all things considered, that he was free last year, 51 catches, 742 yards, and six touchdowns uh, in 15 games. So um, Tim Patrick would be the guy that I would expect – uh, that I would be willing to kind of take a flyer on Marcus Calloway did nothing in week one. Uh, I think he's still playable. I just don't, I think it was like the, the matchup, but i um, I do worry a little bit that the saints will be a lower volume pass pass offense. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I was definitely worried about Calloway going into the season and week one because of the matchup with Jair Alexander, but you know, given how good Jameis Winston looked and it does look like, you know, he has a lot more job security going forward. I think that does help Callaway. And you know, matchup against the Panthers, he could break loose for a couple of big plays. Um, he's still kind of right up there on that wide receiver three flex fringe for me. Um, so I wouldn't panic necessarily to week one. I already kind of thought he was gonna struggle week one. Um, so you know, I he might be a buy low candidate, honestly. Um, and this is coming from somebody that was probably bearish on him going in the season. I, I just think with Jameis Winston looking as good as he did, uh, that's kind of why I, I'm still believing in Callaway,
1: yeah. And then for some uh, context, Callaway 88% of, of routes run. Uh, Deontay Harris was second on the team with just 60
2: uh, every yeah. And they didn't, they didn't have to throw much either. So, yep, going forward, that's it's going to bounce back the other way,
1: yeah. The routes are there for Callaway, um, so. Yeah, I would still I would still be comfortable using him. Uh any love for anything outside of Lamb and Cooper in Dallas with Michael Gallup expected to miss a month or more. Uh Cedric Wilson seemed like the guy to, to take over. Dallas has kind of supported three wide receivers in the past.
2: No, Cedric Wilson all the way for me. I'm still pardon me. I'm still mourning the loss of Michael Gallup. That that's a really <laughs> tough blow for me. Um, he looked really good when he was in the game, but I just think it's going to be more Amari Cooper, more C. Lamb um, and, you know, Cedric Wilson, I'm still projecting him like three and a half catches a game going forward. So he's, he's definitely a good guy to add in deeper leagues for sure.
1: Uh, I mean, most of these guys should be rostered, but any thoughts on Kirk, Pascal, Deontay Harris, Harris, 60% of the routes, that's probably not enough. Um, but what about, what do you think about Kirk and Pascal? I think Kirk, uh, might is worth kind of keeping around here because that Cardinal is going to be like a four deep Cardinal offense, going to be a four deep offense. And Kirk was always a guy that was running, you know, like 80, 90% of, of, of routes as it was. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah, it's, he's the guy that stands out to me.
2: Yeah. And he might be a sell high guy, even though I, I kind of favored him out of this trio behind Hopkins because I thought, you know, Rondell Moore is going to see his targets, but he has a, a lower ceiling just based on his playing style and then A.J. Green probably just going to run a ton of routes um, and maybe distract the defenders. So I thought Kirk could have a sneaky good season. But week one, he scores two touchdowns, so I think he's going to be overrated. And he only ran 60% of oh, the yeah. routes. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, so that's and, down, yeah,
1: because he was 80-90 last year.
2: A.J. Green ran 90% of the routes. So you kind of – and Randall Moore only ran 40% of the routes. And he was a target monster. So he saw – uh, target 36% of the time he was running her out. So if you figure, I I don't know why he wouldn't, his routes run should go over 50. I would say by this week, um, that's going to hurt Kirk long-term. Um, even if Kirk sees a spike in routes run, I think just AJ green, they made it clear. He want, they want him on the field, uh, you know, pretty much 85, 90% of the time. So I, I would say sell high on Kirk. It's still a mess behind hopkins and it, it does look like right now moore could be that sneaky guy that i think will you know his value is only going to go up yeah i love more more
1: is more is the i think the queer ad i'm holding kirk though like i think green is the guy that it'll take a few games and they'll realize that he was the <laughs> same exact thing that he was last year i mean i saw one of the, he had a, this end zone target where it just seemed like the defender was literally like you know when you play madden and like like you're you're you have like the the computer turned up all the way to all madden like it just seemed like the defender was like twice as fast as aj green and just like batted a touchdown potential touchdown away from him um yeah i think he's the guy i th- i think they're gonna real because kirk can play on the outside so yep. i think they you can kind of more is going to be that gadgets um kind of slot you know he can play everywhere too but i think they're going to kind of scheme him things but kirk you could just kick him outside on you know, in in like two wide sets and, and bring green off the bench. So I think green is a guy, if he puts up any kind of stats, I'm selling him. i probably, I'd probably drop him even now. And I'd rather have Kirk because I don't think green is going to continue. And even if it does, he's not, he might not do anything. So um, low on AJ green. Uh, And then in Detroit, I mean, we saw every wide receiver play because Tyrell Williams, uh, you mentioned that he, he was out there every snap, but then he goes down. And so we see like every wide receiver, here, uh, we still, how do we feel about Amon Ross St. Brown now that we've seen a uh, you know, one game? He was he ran up 50 uh routes on 71 pass plays for Detroit. Yeah,
2: it wasn't too great, not gonna lie. Um, I expected probably a lot more out of him. Um, but we'll have to see what's up with Terrell Williams. I think if he is out, I, I think St. Brown will eventually be, you know, the, the guy well the guy in the wide receiver room um however I, I think we've said this a million times by now but this is tj hawkinson's yeah offense i if anything just i'm all about tj hawkinson and then just kind of the scraps left over for the receivers i'm ignoring right now um it was kind of a mess you had guys like Cleef raymond um lead the team in routes run uh Quintez Cifes did look good in his limited playing time so just it's kind of a mess for the wide receivers um I just hope you got T.J. Hawkinson. Like I said, uh, he looked really good. So I think going forward, T.J. Hawkinson, Hawkinson is going to be the only pass catcher I'm interested outside of uh, DeAndre Swift, of course. He looked really good as a pass catcher, but out of the wide receiver tight end room, uh, I'm all about Hawkinson. Oh, yeah, and and
1: also if you drafted Jamal Williams, forget Goal Swift. Down. Like, uh, good call on that because like that was yep. I know he was like one of those like if I was doing like a hero running back or like a zero RB best ball, like I was getting a lot of him, and but I I didn't know what to think. Um, so I'm actually really happy
2: in in Jamal Williams too. Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, so Goff dumped it off to them. Uh, 20 targets yeah. to those running backs. Yeah, and, like, and then that's a, got Goff. Yep.
1: 10. Yeah.
2: That's so. a Jared Goff offense, I guess. Yeah,
1: but he was competent, you know? Like, it wasn't like he was terrible. So, yeah. Um, Juwan Johnson, shouts to our guy Raheem Palmer with the 10th – what was it, 10th round pick? 11, I think 12th 12,
2: round? Uh, Right after I took Dallas Goddard. <laughs> it,
1: it was still too early, but it worked. Uh, two touchdowns from Johnson and uh, on two catches. So, like, what do you do with him now? Is he is he an ad? Is he a, a sell if you have him? Like, how do you approach this given that, uh, you know – he pretty much did the best possible that he could do, (laughs) but he ran a route on only 10 of 25 dropbacks. That's just 40% Weston, Adam Troutman, by the way, who who was 18
2: uh, of 25 or 72%. 75% for Troutman. So I think that's going to be more sustainable. Uh, It would not surprise me if this is Juwan Johnson's best game. So that's typically you want to sell high, but you know, the, the targets are wide open right now without Michael Thomas. So we talked about Marquez Callaway struggling in week one. Uh, so guys like Juwan Johnson, they still do have upside. He could, we don't know, he could end up running over 50% of the routes this week after his good performance. So he's not necessarily, you know, a drop right now, uh, especially after catching two touchdowns, but if you want to flip him for somebody um, I would certainly do it. Troutman did look like, you know, he's going to be the leading pass catcher. Um Like we said, 75% of routes run. That's really high for a tight end. Granted, there weren't that many passing attempts to go around, but I think Troutman is still the guy I'm projecting uh, for more targets out of this tight end group.
1: And remember, this still generally has to be a run-heavy offense just because they don't have Michael Thomas. They don't have Mm Traquan Smith. Uh, The the way the tight end snaps broke down was Adam Troutman, 51, Garrett Griffin, 17, Juwan Johnson, 12. So uh, in weeks, you know, there could be weeks – like this where you know johnson doesn't catch those two touchdowns he straight up goose eggs so yeah i I would definitely Mm -hmm. um i mean i think he's gonna earn his way into more time as well because he's just a good pass catcher he's a converted wide out um but i would i would hold if i couldn't sell i wouldn't drop but i would hold right because i think there is that outside chance that he turns into like logan thomas or darren waller just because there is there's an opening here but at the same time I think the best thing you could possibly do is use those two touchdowns to get like someone a little more useful, um, you know, and, and kind yeah. of reliable, I guess I, I should say, but, um, and, and Tony Jones, I forgot to mention him at running back. He played 35% of the snaps, 40, uh, 22 to Alvin Kamara's 46. So um, no other halfback played. That's good news from Jones. If you, you know, you kind of penciled him into that Latavius Murray role, he's mm-hmm. in it. And he, and he graded out really well in PFF too. So um, yeah, Tony Jones, make sure he's not available. Uh, in your league, uh, all right, now it is time. Uh, oh, one more, th- and, and, real quick, Mike Gasicki, no catches. Um, Patriots usually do a good job of taking away key guys. It seemed like Gasicki was a guy over a waddle, Um, but any, are you panicked yet on, on Mike Gasicki?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm panicking. Uh, he ran around 60% of the time. That's not ideal. Uh, they're gonna get Will Fuller back this week. More competition for targets and an offense that I don't think is gonna throw a ton. Um, it was pretty dink and dunk. That could have been just, you know, facing the Patriots. But since Gasecki was kind of on that tight end one, two fringe anyway, he kind of falls into the waiver wire territory now. So yeah, I'm definitely panicking on Gasecki.
1: Yeah. I'd keep him, I, I'd do it like a wait and see week, just because the Patriots and week one, I think there's a certain way of, you know, when it's, when you talk about guys on the field, I, I'll give him another week. Like the guys I'm really worried about are the guys that are straight up scratches, but yeah, yeah. I think I made a joke over the, the offseason with Rich Rebar that like Durham Smythe would be like the guy that gets catches for the Dolphins. And I'm pretty sure. And yeah, just more about as, as many
2: routes as uh, Gasecki. Yeah. So yeah, that
1: he's one of the, he's, every <laughs> once in a while there's just some guys on the on these teams that like don't get talked about, but that teams just like. And like Durham Smythe is obviously one of them. But uh all right, now we're gonna do our prize picks elite entry segment. And let's do it for this Monday night uh Baltimore Raiders game. It's in Vegas. Uh, Who do you like for your prize quick entry for tonight's action?
2: Tyson Williams to go over 62 and a half rushing yards. Um, Obviously, you know, one of the main storylines going in this game is JK Dobbins on IR, Gus Edwards on IR. So this is Tyson Williams backfield, I guess, until Latavius Murray and potentially Le'Veon Bell learn the offense. But that's why I do like the over tonight. I think this is a very challenging offense um, to learn in a week, you know, they run that complicated zone read play with Lamar Jackson um, that Tyson has at least had the off season to practice with. So I think he gets the lion's shares of carries tonight. Um, they kind of let him audition for the rest of the season and he puts up over 70 rushing yards, I'll say tonight. So I do like this number up to about uh 64, 65 and a half.
1: Yeah. Tyson has to be there. Weed back at least for a week. Everyone else in that backfield really hasn't been with the team. Uh, you made a great point that Amar Jackson, there's a chemistry aspect to that because you have all the, that option stuff where he can put it in your belly and then take it out. So mm-hmm. uh, remember, last year they had the center issues with, with Skura in, in Jackson. So you don't want to have some handoff issues. So Williams has had a great camp. I think for at least one week, he is a kind of a low end running back, too, or a flex. And then we'll we'll kind of go from there. Maybe he could play himself into more work and, and fend off Murray. But for my prize pick, elite entry, I'm going with Hunter Renfro under 37 and a half receiving yards. Uh, I do think that Baltimore will play stout defense, get them into some third and Renfro. But remember, even with Marcus Peters uh, out on the perimeter, they're getting Tavon Young back. Uh, he's really good in the slot. Marlon Humphrey can play inside in the slot. So. I think you're really going against some of the class of the uh, league in terms of guys that can cover Renfro, who has made, you know, some guys look silly in the past, but uh, this is a low A dot player going against a tough defense and uh, he could catch like five ball, five, six balls and still go over this number. So I have his median just under 30. So I would bet this down to 32 uh, and bet he doesn't get, you know, more than like four receptions for you know, eight yards of pop or something like that. So Hunter Renfro under 37 and a half. Uh, for me. And uh, that is going to wrap up our prize pick week entry. So, again, Sean going with Tyson Williams, the Ravens running back, over 62.5 rushing yards. And I am going with Raiders slot receiver Hunter Renfro, under 37.5 receiving yards. All right. And that is going to wrap it up for our week two waiver. Episode. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon, and you can find all of our fantasy content at actionnetwork.com, uh, our DFS stuff at fantasylabs.com, and all of our articles and bets in the award-winning Action Network app. Make sure you subscribe to the Fantasy Flex feed. Again, giving you an episode every weekday this season. Uh, that's why we got the new feed. So please. Uh, it would help us out if you made sure to subscribe to that uh if you could leave us a rating and review that we also love that so um until we see you guys tomorrow with our matchups episode let's get
0: this money